0: of heights to the depths of the sea.
1: And so, then Jehoiada the priest, verse 9, took a chest, he bored a hole in its lid, and he set it beside the altar. And we have a chest in this room, it's right over there on the wall, and we've bored a hole in it. And it's for the exact same purpose. That's why there's a box. In most churches, you have an agape box. Where'd they get that from? Right here. Every
0: is unique in the sun. Gleaming in his cry. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Building projects take a long time, and renovating an old building is almost always more difficult and expensive than building a new one. Nevertheless, it appears that King Joash had to wait a very long time until the damages of the temple were repaired. The work was going very slow. Under the direction of King Joash, the priests gave the people the opportunity to give by placing a collection chest in a strategic location on the right side of the altar, giving the repair project a high priority and a corresponding high visibility. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson.
1: It's a wonderful promise, and when you take him for his promises... He delights in it. There's nothing greater than you can do than to claim the promise of God because God, you've got his stamp of approval. He's like, yes, now go take it and live it. And when you blow it again, you confess it and come back and where our fellowship is restored through the blood of Christ. And then get back up, no matter what the devil tells you, no matter what the church tells you, no matter what your own flesh tells you, believe the promise of God. And that is a promise that people trip over all the time. And I feel like I've already gotten through my message. But we haven't even gotten into verse 1 yet, really. So let's get into it. But notice that Joash started well. He did not finish well. But yet there was one man who was in his path. And thank God for men like that. But let's look at it. Verse 1, it says, In the seventh year of Yehu, Jehoash became king. And he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Zebiah of Beersheba, and uh this this Joash or Jehoash, he reigned from eight thirty five b c to seven ninety six b c He was the second longest reigning king in Judah up to this point in the divided kingdom. We know that Saul and David and Solomon, they all reigned forty years each, but um, Jehoash was the second longest reigning king in Judah. After the, after the kingdom had divided, Asa earlier was a, a, a king earlier in Judah. He reigned for 41 years, and then next it was Joash here. And so just an interesting longevity that the Lord gave him. And notice in verse 2 it says, Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Jehoiada the priest instructed him. I would encourage you to underline or put a little asterisk next to that, ver- that verse too, because you can already sense... And see in the text here that there was a condition that caused him to stay on the straight and narrow. And it was the presence of Jehoiada the priest. Jehoiada was the governor. He was sort of like an uncle to him, in a sense, in this young boy's life. And Jehoiada was a grown, mature man when Joash came to uh, the, the kingdom at a ripe old age of seven. And Jehoiada did many things when this young boy couldn't even, was just so small, he didn't know anything yet. But during that time, Jehoiada, he did at least four things, and these are all things that are in the scripture. Number one, he gathered the Levites and the bodyguards to protect the king and his house. He made sure that he remained out of sight and out of mind, just like Jehoshaphat Uh, stored him away in the house of God and Jehoiada was there to protect him as well because he was the last one left. He was the remainder, the last one standing, if you will, after Athaliah murdered everybody else. So here we have Jehoiada doing this before he even understood what was happening. He was just a little boy and he planned, Jehoiada, he planned and oversaw the overthrow of Athaliah, the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, He also, thirdly, made a covenant between himself, the people, and the king as a little boy, that they should be the Lord's people. So he's trying to help restore Judah back to its right moorings, if you will. And then finally, he appointed the oversight of the house of the Lord to the hand of the priests, the Levites, whom David had assigned in the house of the Lord to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, as it's written in the law of Moses. And all these things Jehoiada did to help restore the kingdom back to the line of David, according to the word of the Lord. And we read that passage, according to the word of the Lord. What was that word of the Lord that it's spoken of here? It's it's speaking of that passage that I had you memorize, right? Second Samuel chapter seven, verses twelve through sixteen. The Davidic covenant. David, your seed is going to be on the throne forever. That was the promise that God had made. And what is Athaliah doing? And see, that's why Jehoiada could act with all conviction now to do the right thing, to restore their worship because they had gotten so off track in Baal worship. And Jehoiada's like, the word of God, the word of God, the word of God. And God's going, well, get after it. Restore it. Restore the worship. Restore the rightful heir to the throne. But notice, even though Jehoash started well, notice verse 3, but the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burnt incense on the high places. Now, even though they may have been worshiping Jehovah, perhaps many of them, maybe not all of them, but they were to do it in the right place. There was only one place that they were to worship. And where was that? Jerusalem right in Deuteronomy chapter 12 it says this these are the statutes and the judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord your God of your fathers has given you to possess all the days of the that you live on the earth you shall utterly destroy all the places Where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains and on the high hills under every green tree and you shall destroy their altars, break down their sacred pillars, burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods, destroy their names from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God, (coughs) excuse me, with such things. But here it is. Verse 5. But you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name For his dwelling place, and there you shall go. And we know that in time God does that. In verse 11 it says, Then there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall bring all that I command you your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, all of that. Bring them to the house of God, and God hadn't established that yet, hadn't had He? Because in Deuteronomy they were still on the eastern side of of the Jordan River; they hadn't crossed over into the Promised Land yet. The land hadn't even been divided. None, none of that was happening. God was saying, "When the time is right, and I establish my house," and He was think He had His eye and His heart on Jerusalem the whole time. That is where you're going to worship. There and there only, not on the hill, anywhere else. It's to be one place. See, God was very clear how he ought to be worshiped and where he was to be worshiped. He didn't leave it up to man to make it up as he went along. Well, I just feel like worshiping the Lord this way. I feel like worshiping the Lord that way. No, God has made it very clear to the Jews how and where he ought to be worshiped, and very specifically how they are to worship him. Why? Because he's a God of order. You can always tell when somebody's worshiping something other than the true and living God because there's nothing but chaos. Nothing but chaos. It's not up for us to make it up. And Do you remember in the letters that Jesus wrote to the churches, the seven churches in Revelation, chapters 2 and 3 were those seven letters to the seven churches that were physically in Asia Minor at the time, and remember, he always started off with a commendation and then a correction. Most of them, I think, except for one, most of them were just, there was a commendation, you're doing this right, but I have this against you. You've left your first love. So there was always a commendation and then a correction. We're seeing the same thing in the book of Kings. He did these great things, but he didn't take away the high places. He was a great king and did, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, except he didn't do this. You're going to see that as we go through Kings as well. And so, verse 4 back in our text says So, Joash said to the priest, All the money of the dedicated gifts that are brought into the house of the Lord, each man's census money, each man's assessment money, and all the money that a man purposes in his heart to bring into the house of the Lord, let the priest take it themselves from each his constituency. And let them repair the damages of the temple wherever, wherever any dilapidation is is found. And, and so Moses told us back in Exodus chapter 30 um, that there was to be a census taken and uh, a half a shekel from every man, 20 years old and up, were to give a half a shekel to the sanctuary for the, for the service of the sanctuary. There were other personal vows where people might have offered money uh, to the temple. In Leviticus 27, 1 through 8, we also see it in Leviticus 22 and Deuteronomy 16, these uh, voluntary offerings. But there was a problem, and we're going to see that very clearly now. Now, it was so by the 23rd year of King Jehoash. So now we're looking at 813 B.C., King Jehoash, that the, the priest, he noticed that they hadn't repaired the damages of the temple. And so it took 23 years, and nothing had happened. Can you imagine that? It kind of shows you the the decay of the the kingdom when the king wanted something to be done, and it just wasn't happening. You know, when the king asks for something, and he wants it to get done, it needs to get done. And there was a reason, I I believe these men weren't doing it, whether right or wrong, it doesn't really matter, but we'll, we'll see that. But you know it makes you wonder it, but it was necessary for them to repair all the corruption that had taken place all the Baal worship and also in 2nd Chronicles 24 and I would encourage you as you read this chapter again read chapter read 2nd Chronicles chapter 24 along with this chapter because 2nd Chronicles 24 will fill in a lot of the blanks we're going to read some of it tonight lord willing if I could keep moving here <laughs> But also athaliah 's sons it tells us in second chronicles twenty four verse seven that her sons broke into the house of God and they took some of those dedicated things out of the house of God to serve the Baals with to serve these false gods with, so there was money probably being taken from the temple to serve these other gods and so this is the first restoration of the temple mentioned in first or second kings and And we're going to see one of the greatest restorations of the temple later on when we look at the the life of Josiah. Just a wonderful man, a great reformer king. But let's look at verse 7 now back in our text. It says So King Jehoash, he called Jehoiada. So now he's a younger man, but still Jehoiada is much more his senior. He calls him and and the other priests and he says to them, Why have you not repaired the the damages to the temple? It's been 23 years. Now, therefore, do not take any more money from your constituency, but deliver it for the repairing of the damages of the temple. And the priests agreed that they would neither receive more money from the people nor repair the damages of the temple. We're just not going to do it. It's kind of interesting. There evidently was not sufficient funds to support the Levites in their service and also for the repairing of the temple. Because most of those offerings and those uh, temple tax and all those things... Those were given for that very purpose. They were given for that purpose to support the Levites. And so now if they take that money that is supposed to support them and their families, how are they going to pay for the repairs of the temple, which is a pretty exorbitant price? What are they going to live on? And so that is my, what I believe is happening here. And so, then Jehoiada the priest, verse 9, took a chest. He bored a hole in its lid. And he set it beside the altar. And we have a chest in this room. It's right over there on the wall. And we've bored a hole in it. And it's for the exact same purpose. That's why there's a box. In most churches, you have an agape box. Where did they get that from? Right here. But they took it. He took, a bore, he took a chest, bored a hole in its lid, set it beside the altar on the right side as one comes into the house of the Lord. And the priest who kept the door put there all the money brought into the house of the Lord and so it was whenever they saw that there was much money in the chest that the king's scribe and the high priest they came up and they put it in bags and they counted the money what was found in the house of the Lord then they gave the money which had been a portion into the hands of those who did the work who had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they paid it out to the carpenters and the builders who worked on the house of the Lord, to the masons and the stone cutters and the buying of timber and hewing stone to repair the damage of the house of the Lord and for all that was paid out to repair the temple. And they had to do that. And so instead of taking away from their livelihood, the king, was a very good thought, he decides to create another box, Tell the people, look, we need to repair the house of God. <clears throat> and so, me. so he does that and they use that money to repair the house. And it's a lot. Day by day, people fill it and then they empty it out and they count it and they save it and they give it to them, the workers. However, verse 13, sorry, my throat's really dry. <clears> throat> they were not made... Uh, there were not made for the house of the Lord basins of silver, trimmers, sprinkle bowls, trumpets, any articles of gold or articles of silver from the money brought into the house of the Lord. <clears throat> but they gave that to the workmen, and they repaired the house of the Lord with it. Now, Second Chronicles, uh, turn with me if you would to Second Chronicles. me second chronicles twenty four <clears throat> verse twelve that kind of gives us a uh, <clears throat> 2 Chronicles 24, verse 12. It says, And and this really just gives us more information about what was going on. And and it's important to read Chronicles for that reason. Um, There's more commentary, usually, than what you find in Kings. And so when you read those chapters uh, together, it really fills in the blanks and you get a bigger understanding. So the king and Jehoiada gave it to those who did the work of the service of the house of the Lord. And they hired masons and carpenters to repair the house of the Lord, and also for those who worked in iron and bronze to restore the house of the Lord. And so the workmen labored, and the work was completed by them. And notice, and they restored the house of God to its original condition, and they reinforced it. Now, notice verse 14 it says, When they had finished it, they brought the rest of the money. Excuse me again. They brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada. They made it four articles for the house of the Lord, um, the articles for serving and offering the spoons and the vessels of gold and silver. So they collected so much that they were able to fix the house, and then they had left over, so they were able to help out with those things that they didn't have before because um, they were given away to other kings. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. Moreover, verse 15, let's go back to... Um, Second Kings, uh, verse twelve or chapter twelve, beginning in verse fifteen, it says, "Moreover, they did not require an account from the men whose into the hand that they delivered the money to be paid to the workmen, for they dealt faithfully. They were such good men and uh, had such integrity. There was no need for the accounting of the money. And the money from the trespass offerings and the money from the sin offerings was not brought into the house of the Lord. It belonged to the priests, and so." That just explains, again, why it was necessary. They created this extra box, and they used the money that was put in there for the temple repairs so it wouldn't get in the way of the livelihood of the priests who served. But notice, um, if you still have your, your finger there in Second Chronicles 24, we're going to look at the apostasy of, of Joash. And let's just start with verse 15, because this is something that's not recorded for us in Second Kings 12. But in Second Chronicles 24, it is, beginning in verse 15. Notice what it says. But Jehoiada grew old and was full of days, and he died. And he was 130 years old when he died, so a very ripe old age. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and his house. And that was a great honor for this priest to be buried in the same place with the kings. It was a great honor for him to be buried there. And we'll find that Joash wasn't even buried there, but Jehoiada was. Kind of interesting. Now, after the death of Jehoiada, the leaders of Judah came. They came and they bowed down to the king, and the king listened to them. And therefore, they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers, and noticed they served wooden images and idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. And notice, yet God sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord, and they uh, testified against them, but they wouldn't listen. See, whenever we don't listen, God will raise up someone else. When I'm not listening, God sometimes will raise up somebody else to come and speak to me. When I've, tu- when I've turned my ears off and my heart off, <clears throat> God will send someone else to get my attention but I'm not listening And he did that. But Jehoash, as soon as Jehoiada was dead, remember I I, I labeled this with a title, Who Are You Really? (laughs) Because now we're really finding out who Jehoash really is. He wasn't the man that started off well. He was really this man. Because as long as Jehoiada, as long as this man, this influencer in his life was there, he looked up to him and he He put him on the throne. He was instrumental in helping this young man and, and nurturing him, discipling him. But once he was dead, ah, now the mice will play. We find out what we really are. We find out who Joash really is. And it says in verse 20 of 2 Chronicles 24, it says, Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest. So now Jehoiada has a son now, He's now the high priest after his dad dies. And he stood up above the people and said to them, Thus says God, why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, he has forsaken you. And so they conspired against him. And at the command of the king, at the command of Joash, he, has, he, had, the, the, he had him stoned to death. In the court of the house of the Lord, and then thus Joash the king did not remember the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but killed his son. And as he died, he said, "The Lord, look on it and repay." You see just how awful that is. This man who brought him up and set him on the throne, got things in order for him. He passes from the scene. Joash starts to go south in his devotion to God, and then his son, who's now the high priest, says, "Hey, what are you doing?" what are you doing? And then Joash says, kill him. And he kills him. And as he's dying, he says, the Lord look on it and repay. Do you remember any other time in history in the Bible where somebody said, Lord look on it and repay? What about Stephen? Remember as they were stoning him in Acts chapter 7? What did it say? That as he was they were stoning Stephen. and he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, and he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Similar kind of thing. And what about Jesus on the cross? Luke 23 tells us, Jesus cried out on the cross, Lord, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Very similar thing so, verse 17 back in our text, Hazael, king of Syria, and now the consequences are starting to mount up. After he departs from God, now the consequences are starting to flow.
0: That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Second Kings.